great. Okay, so welcome to the um, latest in the series of Standing in the Rubble, um, where we're looking at this new landscape, what's going on, um, what is God up to in the midst of this coronavirus, in the midst of this Black Lives Matter movement, in the midst of all the upheaval and change that we're seeing in this year, in 2020. What is God saying and how do we position ourselves as a church and how do we care for ourselves um, and look after ourselves, form ourselves um, in the midst of this? And today um, I am joined by Patrick Regan. Um, so welcome, welcome, Patrick. Great to have you with us. Um, it's good to be here. And Patrick, do you want to talk a little bit about... Um, your context, Kintsugi Hope, and um, the stuff that you do, um, and then we can get into a little bit of um, how that's how that's been affected through this. But um, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. No, it's great to be here. Um, so, um, me and my wife Diane, we started a charity called Kintsugi Hope two years ago, and uh, Kintsugi is an interesting word. It's a Japanese word that means golden joinery. So, um, I've got my little bowl here. This is my Kintsugi bowl. If you take a bowl and you break it. Um, uh, there's a crack here, which is very hard to see because I've mended it with super glue. And the whole idea is, you know, super glue, we hide the crack, we pretend it's not broken. But what they do in Japan is they put a gold powder in the glue. So instead of hiding the cracks, you make a feature of the crack. So arguably the object becomes more unique um, for being broken and, uh, and certainly more beautiful. And I think the whole thing around Kintsugi Hope is that beauty does come out of brokenness, um, and which obviously for a time such as this, um, is a really interesting message and um, we really wanted to tackle two issues social isolation and mental health and uh, and we did that by writing a 12-week program similar to Alcoholics Anonymous but for well-being and uh, and it gets delivered in small groups all over the country and uh, written in learning styles looking at big issues that we're facing in our time like anger self-acceptance anxiety shame depression forgiveness and it's just been incredible what god has done it's just blowing us away really and uh and we have signed up a different church to run a consumer well-being group every day since lockdown started wow. um we've seen them on zoom we've seen them on other technology that i don't understand <laughs> um we've seen them moving into gardens now into parks now um into churches again now people can go back into church there's a few looking to go back so I think it's been really interesting because loads of non-Christians have been approaching us and uh, saying they really want to come to one of these things. Um, and there's waiting lists everywhere for them as well. Which it's amazing. Incredible. It's amazing, Patty. And we, we, um, we run it, um, it runs in our church as well. We run Consuming Hope courses. But um, it's, it, it does seem so timely for now. I mean, mental health, um, you know, I think from, from our experiences, we've seen just a huge uprise in, um, particularly amongst young people, we've seen yeah. a significant increase um, in mental health issues. But also, yeah. I think one of the patterns that I've observed as a church leader, as a community leader, um, I think when the, when the directives were really clear from the government, stay home, people could kind of cope with that. Um, yeah. But actually, as soon as that switched to stay alert, I saw anxiety issues rise in people. I saw uh, mental health issues rise in people, uncertainty, like, well, I don't know, but then now the responsibility on me to make sure I don't know what to do. And, and, and it had a massive impact on people's mental health. And I think I've seen the same thing in the last couple of weeks around um, 
those who are shielded, which again, up until now, the direction has been really clear from the government. You stay home, you're locked yeah. down for 12 weeks, yeah. that's it. And then as they've released it, actually the anxiety levels amongst people who shielded, but also their family members about, well, then what is allowed? What am I? And I've just seen people um, with increased anxiety and not even being able to understand why, not even able to understand how mm. people who normally wouldn't regard themselves as struggling with mental health, um, mm. suddenly finding themselves responding in ways that surprise themselves to situations. So, mm. I mean, A, I assume you're seeing the same sort of thing um, around, but then how, how did Kintsugi Hope speak into that? How does that Kintsugi Hope fit for those sorts yeah, of things? I mean yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's, it, is a, it is a very challenging time because I, I agree with you, that is starting to happen now. Um, I also think there's going to be more to come. And uh, I think that all the mental health experts are saying that they expect that as lockdown uh, eases even more, kids go back to school in September, um, there will be a tsunami of mental health issues. And I think that's why Kintsugi Hope has been saying to the church really clearly, um get trained you know be ready um let's not get caught out it's not rocket science and you know the fact is it's a bit like a war when you're in a war um ptsd and the other sort of health issues come afterwards um you know adrenaline is running high you're trying to work out how to cope how to look after your uh friends neighbors older uh parents and i think it's coming i think the other thing that um is really worrying is that when kids get back to school, that's when all the safeguarding issues will come out. Um, most safeguarding issues are spotted at school. Self-harm is often spotted at school. Abuse at home is often spotted at school. Um, so I think most people, to be honest, in the mental health world are probably going, we're just not sure what we're dealing with. We, we've got a feeling um, that actually, you know, there are stuff going on. We know domestic violence has increased. Um, yeah. a, a police friend of mine says that you are never a hundred yards away from a domestic violence case, which is incredible in a city, but in, even in the countryside, it isn't that much different. Right. Um, so it, it's huge, you know, and that, on the Kintsugi course, we talk about anger. I've never heard a decent sermon on anger. <laughs> um, I heard the odd one on Jesus and the money changes, um, but anger is an emotional response to pain. It tells you something's wrong, you know, and Ecclesiastes is really clear. It says, you know, anger could be a visitor, but don't let it become a resident. Mm. Um, and so anger itself, there isn't something actually, it's a natural reaction, but how we deal with those issues is crucial mm. at the moment. And I sort of feel like with the church, I feel like potentially we could do so much good. We're in every community across this yeah. country. Um, we were outlast governments and, you know, there's a transformation of someone's heart when they realize they're loved by God yeah. that um, no medicine could ever do. And um, so potentially we have an amazing, amazing chance here to, to love people, get alongside people and, and, and help them, you know, through a very difficult time. I think the other thing, and you'll find this as a church leader, is people have not been able to lament. You know, I think N.C. Wright said quite rightly, we're lamenting not being able to lament. <laughs> yeah. And how we allow people in this stage um, to grieve, um, you know, the fact that you can only have five people, you know, at the, you know, in the past at a funeral service, you know, there's going to have to be memorial services. You know, I've got a friend who said goodbye to her mum on FaceTime and, you know, there's got to be a chance to help people. And I think the church has got a really important role to play. Yeah, how do we make space for that? And I think, mm. 
Yeah, absolutely echo what you're saying about mental health issues, domestic violence, safeguarding issues. We do a lot of um, work with families um, in the towns. We deliver, you know, significant projects um, in South Somerset around families in crisis, and um, and we're seeing all those trends. Um, yeah. Also, chair of government of school, and again, we're uh, we've worked really hard, but we're very aware that in September, mm -hmm. when these kids come back, we're gonna. We're going yeah. to see a lot more, um, but it's not just in our communities. Um, this stuff's in our churches. Um, just yeah. because we're Christians doesn't mean we're immune to um, depression. Doesn't mean we're immune to anger. Doesn't mean we're immune to domestic violence. Doesn't mean we're immune to um, safeguarding issues like these. Um, let's not be naive and suggest these things aren't in our church. So do you have? Um, what would you say to um, people who maybe have noticed that they're displaying more anger um, or people who have um, noticed that they're um, maybe suffering maybe with more depression or, um, or, or mental health issues generally? Do, what, what would you say? Because sometimes we kind of think that, well, I'm a Christian, so I should be fine. Um, I mean, I've got the answer, but that's not, yeah. that's not true always. Like, yeah. We, we still struggle with these things. Yeah, of course. I think, I think the, the key thing, isn't it, with any mental health issue is that, that we all have them. Um, we all have physical health. We've both got glasses on because our eyes aren't, aren't on 100%. Um, and everyone has mental yeah. health issues. Every single person on the planet. And I think sometimes, for some reason, um, whereas in the church, I feel like sometimes we've done quite well in certain issues of social justice and education and poverty, but this mental health one we haven't really cracked. Um, but I think we've spiritualized it, we've, we've, um, there's some poor, poor theology around it, and uh, and yet you know, the Bible has got so much to say about it. I think the key thing is, is that lack of um, realizing that you are not on your own, I think it's so key and uh, and the shame that comes with mental health you know yeah. Brene Brown a famous research professor says shame love silence secrecy and judgment and it has two gremlins um who do you think you are and you're not enough and I think that actually what shame can't stand is empathy and understanding mm. and often when you talk about something it loses half of its power because you start to realize that you're not on your own and and all the research shows you know that actually the fact is talking therapies um getting help getting support being honest being real um are the most useful things you know and and i think we have to take shame away sometimes medication is is good other times um it's often good when it's combined with some sort of talking and some support um, medication in its own has its place, but it's probably not going to help long, long, long term. So I think it's really important for the church to be really sensitive to understanding and to really listen to people and people to feel really that that uh, approachable, you know. Um, yeah. It's interesting, um, Adam, I'm doing a lot of research at the moment on trauma and um, having, it's been quite a traumatic time for lots of people. And, um, and it's absolutely just blowing me away. It's a staggering amount of trauma that people face in their lives and there's this research many years ago which you're probably aware of called aces adverse childhood experiences um looking at the impact that you know your childhood has on your uh, when you are an adult and, and particularly your physical health actually it's incredible the statistics and and the fact that you feel trauma in your body you don't feel it in your head um 
your, the way you think about things can change, but actually then your body that you feel it. And, and that's why I feel like the holistic way, which the church should offer spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, it's the whole person that Jesus ministers to. Um, I think if you take one of those out, you're, you're missing the holistic picture. And that's why I think the church has got a massive role to play. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And it's probably worth me just um, saying at this point, um, if you're listening and, um, and this is an area maybe you've noticed in yourself, um, recently in this lockdown like do you speak to your small group leader um, we have a phone line that you can contact if you want to um, have someone to pray with you sit listen to you um, talk with um, and the phone line that's all that is on our website um, but don't don't sit yeah. in silence um, it's really interesting that silence thing actually Patrick um, I it links to some thoughts that I've been turning around around sin um, often we kind of because sin links to shame very often um, in our in our mindset because we have a we have a legal framework a context to sin don't we oh there's some rules there that we've broken therefore god wants to punish us but you know but because of jesus we're not you know grace etc but actually i think if we understand sin more than some sort of legal construct because if we understand it's a legal construct well then forgiveness is also a bit of a construct a bit of a concept um but actually if we understand sin as all the ways in which we're broken all the ways in which we're um, less than we were great to be all the way the stuff that's been spoken over us the stuff we've spoken over ourselves the stuff that we've done the stuff that's been done to us um, the systems that have shaped us and formed us well then forgiveness is the rehumanizing restoring renewing um, mm. but also then confession isn't the listing of all the things we should be in trouble for confession mm. is the beginning of healing because confession is the speaking out of the brokenness the pain the dehumanization that's, ha that's happened inside so it's the beginning of healing and i think often we think about confession as well why would anyone want to listen list all the things they've done wrong because it's it's linked to shame like well you know i'll be ashamed of all, like to name everything that is sinful within me whatever but actually if we understand sin as that as that less than we were created to be the the brokenness or the the, uh, the dehumanization well then confession is the beginning of healing because it's when we speak that stuff out that which links to what you're saying about what Brené Brown, who's you know amazing, but the um, you know shame loves silence. Um, but actually, when we speak this stuff out, it's the beginning of the undoing of that. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I think just encouraging people to be able to speak out um, is great. But I think um, there's a, I'd love you to speak into what. Um, the bigger sense of maybe what's happening in our society at the moment. And, um, you know, we are very clear that we don't believe God creates coronavirus or whatever, but God uses all things. Um, God works within all things to bring good. And um, what is God up to um, in this reshaping of our society, in this reshaping of our world, of our values, of um, yeah. the sense of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you probably just um, said it really. I think there's a reshaping of values. Um, I think values inform your behaviour. And it's interesting, isn't it, that within a week, our low-skilled workers became our key workers. Right. Um, yet they're still paid the same amount. <laughs> um, and I think that there's a real sense of shaping values. I think coming out of this phase, we'll be going, actually, what's really important um, in life? You know, our education system, I think that needs to be reshaped. You know, I think that, for too long, um, we have literally got a generation that are 
scared stiff because they might not get the statistic at the end of their uh, all those years in education. If we are only preparing kids for statistics, then we've got something badly wrong. Yeah, and you know, we need to put people before programs, learning before statistics, uh, character before charisma, kindness before achievement, and and uh, and you know, people are saying we need to be given tools, well-being, you know, life skills. Um, it just isn't working. Uh, we've got a stressed out generation like we've never seen before um, with bigger issues around suicide and self-harm and anxiety and depression. Um, we've got to create a, a sense of what has worked in the coronavirus, that sense of community, that sense of being in it together, you know, that sense of journeying with each other. We have that non-judgmental space. I think what coronavirus has done um, as it's put this massive magnifying glass on all the equality that is around our country, particularly uh, around poverty. And, uh, you know, I, um, mental health is a symptom of poverty. It's also a cause of poverty. And, and yet it cannot be right that people in the uh, most deprived areas in the UK are dying more from the coronavirus than in affluent areas. And, and again, I'm saying to the church and to poverty fighting organisations, actually, um, guys, please work together with us because, mm. you know what, last time we went through a recession, suicide rates spiked in this country. Um, virtually every economist is saying we will hit a recession. Um, yeah. So we know what's going to happen. So, you know, let's act now. Let's, let's join the dots. Let's get rid of ego and brands and all those <laughs> things and go, you know what, for the sake of our communities, we've got to have a bit more joined up thinking here. Um, for so long, the church has been quite siloed in, in its, in its you know, particular movement um, and brilliant movements. And, you know, we work with I think 19 different denominations now, so brilliant people. But I think what people are saying in this spot is that we've got to work, you know, we, we've got to just lose the language of networking and actually do it. Because um, I feel like we've had the language of networking for years, um, actually doing it is completely different and I think there's a real challenge I think God's really challenging us um, and I think the other thing I think is really significant when we started up Kintsugi Hope I, I remember saying to God you know I really want to see a big movie of spirit but I feel like after all these years of being involved in Christian ministry if it's going to come in some big warehouse somewhere in America um, with a famous person and a famous worship band and God TV will come and beam it all over the world and we'll call it revival I think I might quit <laughs> <laughs> I'm like God. If it could be in small groups, in prisons, and hospitals, and coffee shops, and pubs, and schools, um, in brothels, and and if it's been small groups, not led by any great personality, but by the fragile and the sort of getting on the way to getting sorted, like the disciples were, um, I'd be up for that. And I think it's changed that that thinking where we realise actually the big stuff is amazing. It can be amazing actually in the grassroots of community that's where god i think is is doing his work and, and that's where we need to focus yeah no that resonates so much and so then what is the um because i i agree that that is where it is. we're going to see it in the small and in the relational and in the yeah but the, then what is the prophetic posture as it were of the church um in this new landscape how do we serve our communities how do we bring about those opportunities for revival how do we how do we position ourselves differently um yeah as as we emerge from this lockdown yeah i mean my my favorite definition of the prophetic um 
comes from Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar, who said the role of the prophetic is to evoke grief at what is lost, but create amazement at what is possible. Um, and I think that, that that is so superb because I think that that is what's needed. I think like we have lost 500,000 people have lost their lives to coronavirus. 10 million people have had it. And, and I feel like, you know, it, we could have different waves of this thing and, and all that sort of stuff. And there is that, like we said, there is that sense of lament and allowing people the space to do that. I think the second part of that is creating amazement of what is possible. That That's the hope um, is, is more than optimism, actually. Um, hope is so much more than optimism. And, um, and I think that that's how we position ourselves in the communities. That's how we get alongside our neighbours and our friends. That's how we... We try and do things with people and not just for people, um, which I think is really important. And, and one of the beautiful things with Sydney Kinsugi Hope is, is just the amount of non-Christians that have been coming and going, you know what, we could do with some of that self-management tools. We could do with a toolkit to deal with anxiety. We could deal with some friends right now. And, and I think the, the um, boundaries between them and us have actually started to break down. Yeah. As people that realise that sharing in your suffering is sharing in your common humanity. Um, and just conversations about faith are happening all over the place as people talk about prayer, as people talk about forgiveness and, yeah. um, you know, anger. And, and I think that's, I think we just need to be in those places where we are definitely there and, uh, and looking at how we, that combination of in the Bible of justice and mercy, you know, um, so important and, uh, and how those two work together um, is so important in this phase. Yeah, really good. Really good. Thank you. So, um, yeah, finally then, why, has, there been a, has there been a verse of scripture um, that has been stirring with you, resonating with you, um, walking with you um, through this last few weeks or days? Um, well, interestingly, I mean, there's been, there's been lots of stuff that we've been speaking into um, and... Uh, you know, I, I've been doing a lot around the Emmaus Road story. I, I just love it. I love the fact that the day after Jesus' resurrection, he spends the whole morning talking to two heartbroken, disillusioned, frustrated friends. Uh, you know, a marketing person might have said, it would be a good idea to do a big meeting now um, or get the message out. Um, and the thing I love about that story... Yeah. Who does that? No. <laughs> The thing I love about that story also is is the ability of Jesus to listen um, and not butt in. You know, the fact that they were just talking. And at any point, he could have gone, guys, I'm Jesus. It's all okay. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah. It was almost like they had to share their pain. They had to share their story. Mm. And then the really interesting thing about that whole passage is that Jesus doesn't even come in at that point and go, I'm Jesus. He starts telling the bigger story of God. Mm. Um, how God is revealed through the prophets in the Old Testament. And of course, they would have been aware of, you know, passages, Man of Sorrows in Isaiah. Um, they never put two and two together that this was Jesus. And, and then as they come to the meal, I love it. Brokenness reveals who Jesus is. He breaks the bread and there's something that happens. And I think it's a beautiful model of how we work in our communities. Um, and it was interesting, though, just as I came on this call, when you asked me that question, um, Psalm 68 came to mind and uh, um, five to six, it says this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows is God He's in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He sets forth the prisoners with singing. 
but the rebellious live in the sun-scorched land. And just that little phrase, God sets the lonely in families. And uh, I think that, you know, wouldn't that be amazing that that could be the family of God? And uh, loneliness, isolation, all those things, um, God longs for the yeah. lonely to be in a family and, and praying that going to be our and loneliness is the epidemic of our internet yeah. right now yeah thank you so much um really valuable really appreciate your input on that thanks so much patrick no problem a pleasure take care